Hello. Oh, hello. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm um, yeah. I had a relaxing day. Yeah, I mean,、uh, my Sunday, your Monday. Yeah, it's um, it's one a.m. now for me.、Oh, my sleeping pattern is such a mess. Like、uh, I you... stay up in the, I stay up overnight,、uh, or like I wake up at like three in the morning, and then I, or like five in the morning, and then I have a really early start, and then I have breakfast, and I go to bed for most of the day, and then I wake up again in the evening. Would you consider yourself a, a night owl? Yeah, I think I prefer the night. Honestly, my favorite time of day is probably like three to four in the morning. Like I, I like how quiet it is. I feel like the, like the witching hour. I think that's my favorite my favorite time. I feel very creative in the middle of the night. Yeah, man.、Um, I used to I used to like stay up at night, and I always thought it, like that was my most creative、uh, time, right? And I would write music,、um, and then I'd be a wreck in the morning. And so I, I think it's just I'm just a nerd. I can't stay up, man. Okay, yeah. Like,、um, what sort of stuff would you write? Would like、um, as like a classical pieces or? No, I, I I write like you know music, like singer songwriter stuff. But yeah, I would write at night, and、uh, I thought. You know, it was like, oh man, like nobody. Honestly, I did it because no one was going to bother me at night. You know, and then, you know what would happen is I'd write songs, and I'd be like, oh, you know why that sounds good? Because it's the Beatles. I'm writing a Beatles song. <laughs> I would, you would like accidentally write a, a Beatles. Yeah, yeah. I think that inevitably, like there. It's weird because the catalog of the Beatles is like it's it's vast, but not. You only had the span of like what less than ten years of the Beatles, and that's always like crazy. Is what people don't realize is the Beatles only had about you know ten years of music, which、yeah. isn't a lot compared to like other artists, man. Yeah, I mean,、um... what do you think? I mean, you've been、uh, you. You had a, a day to dive into the Beatles. How did it feel? Yeah, well,、um, I I dived into the White Albums specifically, and then I dived into a couple of the other albums afterwards. After I felt like I'd got a good grasp、yeah. of it, just to remind myself. I mean, every so often I used to do like a full, just like start to finish discography listen, just to yep, see kind、yep. of like how the sound changes and what I like the most. And I don't know. The thing is, I don't know. I'm not sure if we'll agree on everything because as much as I love the White Album, and it is a huge body of work, and I think it's it like it's almost the prototype for a lot of genre. Like there's a little bit of like almost pop punk in there. There's all sorts、oh, going on. Was, Definitely proto metal. Yeah, I I talked about this.、Um, I remember I I think it was on your stream. I, I talked about、um, how the Beatles like there was a lot of like. Stuff that could potentially be, especially like on Abbey Road with a song like Polythene Pam. I think Polythene Pam sounds like punk to me, dude. I think that John Lennon was writing stuff that was like ahead of its time.、Uh, but yeah, you look at like a song like Helter Skelter from the White Album, and Helter Skelter is straight up like the, one of the first like it's heavy rock, really. It's it's heavy. It's heavy. But we won't get started just yet. I mean, we can yeah we can start from the beginning, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think we should go like track by track because like that's how、yeah. I guess that's how I listened to it and tried to 
because I feel like the album it works in a context, and I think like almost because of because of I guess this is one of the things, one of the points I guess I, conclusion I come to is that I feel like whilst it has probably my favorite Beatles songs on it, I think the best put together album is still Abbey Road for me, which was the idea I had coming into this. But I did actually like the White Album more than I I have ever done before. Like I got way more Absolutely. out of it this time. Yeah. Abbey Road, I, I mean, you can't beat that second half of Abbey Road, you know, where it's basically, it, it's almost like a sweet, it's almost a sweet where you have like golden slumbers and she came in through the bathroom window, um, you know, like that whole suite all the way up until like the end and, and then, you know, all the way to the very end with uh, Her Majesty, like yeah. that whole suite, that whole second side of Abbey Road is just insane, insane. Yeah, man. Um, but I, I spent the last like, uh, day uh, listening to the white album and just getting buried and, uh, Beatles facts, um, 1968, man, 1968 is when it came out. A year had gone by with, uh, no Beatles music. And then they just bust out that, that damn double album. Yeah, it's so huge. I, I, the thing is, I noticed when I was listening to it, as I like, even when I click on it, I just, I forget that there's thirty tracks. That's yeah. so big. <laughs> You're like, that's so much. Yeah, it is. Um, G- George Martin, George Martin had the famous, you know, producer um, of the Beatles. He, he said they came in with so much material that he was like overwhelmed and underwhelmed like he he stated that like he there was so much garbage that they had brought to him <laughs> and then i and then and, and i was thinking you know some of that garbage kind of ended up on the white album because you really can't have yeah. every every track on a double album can't be a winner yeah i mean I, i'm i mean that's definitely something that's going to come up and that's something that i've always thought about the album which was i feel like the, i'm I'm not sure if it's just like they reached like a peak of their powers and they thought we could put out anything and somebody's going to listen to it. And they, I feel like they were almost having fun with everyone a bit at that stage where they were like, I mean, some of the tracks, I mean, that we'll get into, like, yeah. I mean, there's just, I'm just like, I mean, are they joking? I think there's, there's uh, I think they're taking the piss a bit. Well, I think, I think that like, fun. I, I, yeah, I think you're right to a degree. Absolutely. Um, I think with double albums, like it's a grandiose thing. I mean, uh, the reason I love uh, the double album is because you have such like it's so much variety. Um, and and what would a talk be without me like mentioning like the, the, the fucking pumpkins, right? Like I love the pumpkins. <laughs> and, yeah. and they, they they have they put out melancholy and the infinite sadness, and it's one of my favorite albums of all time because it's so much material. It's a double album as well. Um, the only time that like a double album never it doesn't do that is you have like the wall from Pink Floyd where like that's kind of more cohesive but like typically double albums like will just be like a vast array of like just everything right it's just like a mixed bag it's a mixed bag of like tons of stuff yeah I mean I have a friend who's um his favorite double album is Stadium Arcadium by the Thread of Chili Peppers for me that's more the like the end of the my love for the chili peppers but he swears by that being the greatest double album he's ever listened to and i can understand you like, see, you that sound i i i was close and I, that is one of the albums that i have not the double album that i haven't ventured in listening to i really should because i i heard it's really good i heard it's really good but i mean like i said you have an artist doing a double album i mean like that's just it's um 
it's a real ballsy move to do that. What do you think doing a double album? I think it's super ballsy because it's almost like, I mean, to a certain extent, I have a feeling with um, a lot of albums, there's there's often like uh, B-sides or, or tracks that didn't make the EP. And I feel like to a certain extent, a lot of people will go, okay, the reason you're doing a double album is because you just refuse to cut anything. And so you just threw in all the other like stuff you had going on around that time. Yeah, George George Martin still thinks, or well, he's thought he passed away, but he thought that that the White Album would have been a perfect single album. Um, yeah. and, and see, and going, I mean, going through the years, like being like a huge Beatles fan, like I've made my, I've tried to do that several times over like the course of my life, uh, ever since like the incarnation of like the CD writers and the CD burners. I've tried to like do like a definitive like White Album in a single disc and. Um, there's always tracks I forget to put on on that that mix, you know. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Well, maybe we should try and do that by the end, because like I wrote down some, I wrote down like some like vague thoughts in case I forgot for like if I if I, in case I forgot my like opinion on Rocky Raccoon or something. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> like, because some of these obviously like I know so well, but like some of the other ones like I I don't really remember. Yeah. Um, well, well, um, I mean, I don't. I know I can be long-winded in the things that I say. I just I get so enthusiastic talking about like the Beatles and talking about their their albums. So if you have to read something from the chat or something, like by all means, man. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. I should set that up as well because um, I'm sure we'll get some um, music lovers in there. I, I hope so. I I really I mean like I I would like because I want to like get more input. I didn't finish getting like a ton of input. Um, I know the stuff that I've read over the course of my life about the Beatles and I've watched tons of interviews with Paul and, and John about the white album. It's my favorite album. Uh, I think that's why we kind of like, I think that's why I kind of suggested it to you. It's my favorite album. Uh, and it's always on an, an album that I always talk about with like desert Island albums. It's always in my top three. Yeah. Cause it goes, it's got so much to offer you. So much to offer. You're not going to get bored. You got to remember like, do I want a single album on that desert island that's going to have like 12 tracks and then I'm just going to like wear that out? Or do I want a double album, right? It's going to be 30 tracks, yeah. but some, some of them are stinkers. So yeah, man. <laughs> maybe, do you think that like in this hypothetical scenario, maybe during the course of your desert island, you'll have listened to all the great tracks so much that, you know, you might come away being like, you know what? I, I actually found that, um, you know, Wild Honey Pie is, is uh, un, uh, underrated genius. I don't think I'd ever come to the conclusion that Wild Honey Pie is ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, 1968, the Beatles put out the White Album. Like I said, it was a year that they hadn't put out any material. Uh, most people were were uh, kind of doubting them, uh, and then they come out with this album. What was crazy is uh, when diving into it, it was such a tumultuous time for the Beatles. They were all fighting with one another. And this is the introduction to um, John uh, divorcing Cynthia and um, getting with Yoko. And so this is like the, the beginning of the Yoko era for the Beatles was the White Album recordings. And so they were, they were actually, there was a ton of uh, recording sessions where they were just recording stuff by themselves. Paul was doing like drums, bass, guitar, and full on like takes by himself. Um, and, and other artists were uh, like other, you know, George and, and John were doing her thing. It was just a bad time for them. Can you believe that? 
Yeah, well, I almost feel like the bad times are where you get the kind of like spunky energy. It feels like um, definitely, I don't know, in some tracks, like people were really going for it. Like I, I didn't even, I almost don't recognize the singing sometimes where I'm like, there's somebody's really letting something out here. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, one, the, the cool thing that I learned today was when I was diving into it was the first two tracks, um, Paul's Paul's playing the drums. Those first two tracks right off the bat. He's the drummer on I Didn't Know That. And it's because Ringo left the band. And I didn't know that either, man. Ringo like left for a full on like couple weeks and he was done. Like he was absolutely done with the band. And so um they kind of begged him to come back. They they wrote him a sweet letter and they he basically Ringo was feeling insecure. Yeah, I wonder, oh, do you think that, the thing is, I feel like the Ringo's role in the band always was, is that, you know, with the kind of strong egos of of McCartney and Lennon, and then like George Harrison not wanting to be their whipping boy, they kind of all like turned to Ringo. And then I feel like everyone maybe kind of outlet their frustrations towards him as being maybe like the kind of the, the butt of, of each joke or the yeah, weakest I... link. But it turned out when he did that, though, it turned out that because they all said that, like, he was the best rock drummer that they could ever want and have. And uh, and I think Ringo kind of is the spirit. He's like the spirit of the Beatles, you know? Yeah. He, you need him around, I think. I, I imagine he must be probably like a very, like, affable, likable guy who chilled everyone out a bit. But I, I mean, I'm probably just saying he was. I mean, there, there's the age old question, and I have this debate with a lot of people, but, you know, would the Beatles be a better band if they had, like, a better drummer? If maybe Stuart Copeland was the Beatles drummer, or I don't know, for example. <laughs> what a pull on that one. <laughs> Stuart Copeland, man, that would be wild, right? That'd be. You know, I I think about that too with like different drummers. Like some drummers are just so, um, you know, what's the word? Um, just so heavy on their enthusiasm and their like characteristics of their drumming, like uh, like a Jimmy Chamberlain or like um, a Matt Cameron from like Soundgarden. Like they're so, uh, you can tell they're drumming, man. Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl's a huge. Dave Grohl's a great drummer. Where you have that, he puts his signature on everything. I mean, his drumming on like Queens of the Stone Age album, uh, Songs for the Death, like his yeah. drumming on that is ridiculous, and you know that's Dave Grohl. Um, with Ringo, you it's pretty basic, but you you can hear the stamp of Ringo on there. Yeah, for sure, and and I guess to maybe I guess the the counter argument is maybe the drums would take away almost too much of the melodic focus. They become maybe more of a rhythmic band, and I mean, because for me, what, the the things that they're best at really is these interlocking melodies and progressions. And I think like I mean, almost like that's kind of always the focus, uh, at least for me when I'm listening to the to the tracks and sometimes the singing as well i've got a soft spot for um for their scratchy blues which comes out a lot in this album yeah i, was, oh, I can't wait to talk about that uh but uh yeah and a lot of this and, and a lot of this album was wildly written in india this is when yeah. this is when they uh were going to visit the maharashi uh to kind of get away from everything and, and practice uh transcendental meditation so they were over there jamming with the Maharashi and, uh, you know, obviously um, picking up some things, um, you know, hanging out with like the likes of like uh, Mia Farrow and like uh, Donovan. So a lot of that stuff was written over there, man. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I wonder, like, um, based on the other artists that they might have been hanging out with, how much of that seeps into the music or they go, maybe we should do something like Donovan would have done. 
Oh, for one hundred percent. There's there's a couple tracks that were like, if Donovan wasn't there, they would not have. We, you know, we wouldn't have some of these tracks, like specifically from Lennon. Um, so, you want to get into it? Yeah, I think I think I think we've done we've done a good preamble. We've done a great prologue. But um, <laughs> yeah, welcome everyone to the talk. We're doing this is like a whole uh, music talk, and this is um, I, I'm Junk, one of Junk's favorite albums, and he was like, let's do a deep dive, and there's so much there. It's also, I would say, it's one of it's maybe it's an overlooked album for me. So like, I'm gonna come with, maybe like not quite a cynic. It's an album I love, but it's an album maybe I haven't fully. I fully got gotten into, but I do. Yeah. I really appreciated actually being forced to just sit down and listen to an album for a change, because with modern music and the way people access media now, it's just like you just kind of have songs kind of spammed at you. But actually sitting down and listening to something from start to finish is, I don't know, you you understand the kind of like uh, the context of of how the yeah we we hundred percent we've gotten away from that. Like I think I mean that's just that's just the way it's been since the download era you know we don't really like uh process and and uh, ingest albums the same way we used to like like uh it's people would rather listen to like a single or you know like we have so many mixes on our spotify or itunes i mean i'm guilty of that and sometimes i get mad at myself and i'm like ah i I gotta go back and just listen to the album man like i gotta surely there's there's more stuff to be to be found from this artist rather than this one track I keep listening to on this mix. Yeah. Um, um, well, so we're going to go uh, track by track and uh, I feel like that's the logical way to do it. And then, um, yeah, I guess say what we like, don't like about each, each track. Um, I've given like a, a general number out of 10 as well. But I'm not sure if I, 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 I'm not sure if I wrote these at the time of, of listening, but maybe <laughs> like a general idea of how I feel about, um, about everyone. And yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm divulging again, but just to go from your point of like uh, the kind of streaming and internet age, I do kind of feel that music's almost less valued because it's not a physical thing that you hold and collect and retain. I mean, I used to have decks of CDs and right. I mean, I have loads of records that, um, at home and i do feel that imagine if you went out and you bought one album that's all you're going to listen to for that for the week because you can't afford another album you know so you bought this one cd or something you go i'm gonna just bump all of these tracks until i buy another cd and so you'd yeah you you really cherish and like uh yeah explore every second of it 100 percent, man 100 percent. like uh yeah that's all we have is the album and uh I told I had 15 bucks to spend on an album and I, I you know, I burned the crap out of it. I, I listened to it and sometimes you came across stinkers, man. Yeah. And yeah. And it would be annoying. Like you buy an album cause you like one or two songs and then you'd be like, Oh God, the other 12 are awful. <laughs> and I'd be, I'd be mad at that artist. And I would, I would have that's, a grudge cause, cause we, that's expensive back then. 10, 15 bucks or, you know, English equivalent, like 10 pounds. That's a lot of money to spend on something. hundred percent. Hundred percent. So, uh, Beatles White Album. Uh, it was originally uh, supposed to be called um, Doll, A Doll's House, and okay. there was another. There's another band called Family, Family and uh, they were like a progressive rock band, and they had music from the Doll House. And so, I think there was the. I don't think it ever became like a legal matter, but they just dropped it, and then it became just 
self-titled, which is the Beatles, but it was white. So we know to we know it today is the, the white album, right? Um, it's the first album with with none of their faces on the cover as well. So that's kind of cool. Like it just it just is. That's why I think that's why I like it so much because it's it it's there's no artwork to be had. There's some pictures in the booklet, but like it's just just white. Just has the Beatles on it. It's just yeah, like here you go. Classy. Yeah, come listen to it. You know, see what you like from this album. We're not gonna, we're not gonna put a bunch of like, uh, you know, cardboard <clears> random standees, objects, yeah. random objects like yeah. Sgt. Pepper. You know, yeah. we're, we're just, just here you go, man. Listen to it. And that's I like that. I like that. Yeah. A lot. Do you think it's almost like a sign of defiance of like we're not playing the celebrity game, like we're not doing anything gimmicky. Like this is just the music. It's just music con- is contained within this album, and we're not think- gonna like put our cheesy, cheesy, cheesy grin on it or something. Hundred percent. I think the Beatles were always defiant like that, man. I mean, like even when they, they decided to say, "Hey, we're not touring anymore. We're just we're just a studio band," and that's what they became, right? They stopped touring in what, like sixty four or sixty five, something like that. And so, um, and then they would just play like shows every now and then. But yeah, man, they 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 just weren't a touring band after uh, the early days. So they've yeah. always been like that. They've always been super defiant and been like, like the music spoke for itself. Well, I've even heard accounts from from people that went to tours that there were just like there were so many you 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 get in the chances are you'd be shoved at the back and there was just this wall of screaming women that you wouldn't hear anything. So like because the yeah. amplification system just wasn't powerful enough and they, and they'd often play like a forty minute set or something, and so yeah. I mean they, they really are a studio band I think. Um, yeah, at, like least, that, at least to me. That Shea, Sta- that Shea Stadium uh, p- performance, like, it's just ridiculous. I mean, like, you, you have those, like, you know, their 212 Vox amps that they were playing through mic'd up. But, I mean, I, yeah. they, there's no way that that was going to get no beyond, job. like, thousands of, like, screaming girls. Yeah, and, and especially they're not a massively loud band. It's not like, I guess, the, like Hendrix experiences around the same time. Like, he's playing loud, and the kind of dis- the overdrive and the, the distortion is part of it, really. That they, they, you're not looking for, like, a sonic crispness. It's just, it's just wailing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Well, how does it start? What's, what's track one on the Beatles' fire album? Track one is the infamous uh, Back in the USSR, which is, I think, definitely one of their most famous songs um, I love it. I love this track so much. Um, what, what do you What do you get out of it? I grew up listening to this track almost on loop because my mom was a huge fan of this song, and I think because of that, I think it honestly tarnished it a bit for me. And I've tried not to listen to it at all for such a long time. It has definitely yeah. like a, a classic. Like the way I like to look at this track is, it's almost like a throwback to the sounds that they've just come from. This kind of like. Um, you know, Rubber Soul, kind of slightly rocky, um, four-four track. Uh, I do think I don't know. I, for me, this song is a little bit overrated. Maybe, but I think that's probably because I've just I've been so exposed to it. Um, I, but it I is like, a it's a good rock song. I love I love it. Um, it was so Paul wrote that song um, because he had heard a Chuck Berry song. Uh, it was a, I think it was like back in the USA or something like that or. But basically, it was Chuck Berry going into the military, and then he's like, "Man, when I get back to the U.S., I'm, you know, I'm gonna kiss, I'm gonna kiss the the ground of the USA." And 
and that was kind of Paul's like take on that Chuck Berry song. He's um, taking the piss and, out of it. What about if yeah. you went back to the USSR? <laughs> yeah. So I, from what I, from what I, like he was saying was it was like um, it was supposed to be like this like that secret agent kind of like uh, flying in back into the uh, USSR. Okay. Um, you know, flew in from Miami Beach, B-O-A-C. It's such a, I love the song. Yeah. It's got, I, I, it's got that classic, like, witty lyrics in. Yeah, and, you know, that's one of the classics. Like, I follow McCartney to this day, and I, he still plays that, that track. Like, McCartney solo, like, they, they, his band, they still, like, that's one of the staples that they, they always play. And I think it's just because it, it's a really good, like, Kickstarter to, uh, like, it's a great Kickstarter for an album, man. Like, it is, just, it is. Boom, it's a rocker immediately, and that's what he, that's why he still plays to this day, I mean, and, um, you know, it's a Paul song, so. For sure, absolutely. yeah. I I adore that song. I do like the uh, little turnaround bit they have with the back in the U.S., back in the U.S., back in the USSR. I love that stuff, like, but just it, those yeah. repeated sections. I don't know, I'm a real sucker for it. Uh, Love, for like I it's like, a it's a hype it's a hype it's definitely a hype track and um yeah. George Harrison's guitar work on that is really cool too I really uh, like George Harrison's a uh, little his lines on that they're yeah, really I, fun George yeah. gets a rap for being not a great guitarist and uh, I don't think he was a virtuoso but I think he was I think he was fantastic I think he was a phenomenal guitarist. Yeah, I see. Like, I don't know if I don't know if like um, people have this opinion, but I, sometimes I get the impression that people see the Rolling Stones as more of a guitar band than the Beatles, and I don't think that's true. I don't. I think um, George Harrison is, uh, I would say, is a better uh, has better guitar chops than um, than, than yeah. a lot of Stones tracks. I think. I don't know. I think he's a bit more creative with it. I know he got very into like uh, Ravi Shankar and um, sitar music, and I think that influenced yeah. him pretty heavily. But I don't oh, know. Man, yeah. You're getting into the Beatles versus Stones, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the Beatles side. I, I've never. I'm, I'm a big. I'm a big Stones fan, but I feel like just. Um, I don't know. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. I'm sure there's there's a there's a good argument for both, but I don't know. I, I think I, the uh, got better music. I, I do. I I agree. Um, I still love the Stones, but uh, I think uh, I heard. I once heard. So I like I told you like last time. Like I love hearing Beatles covers. Like. Just because the, the catalog is so like uh, it's so tired at this point, like I've already like explored it. It's always fun to go back, but um, yeah, I uh, love hearing people's covers of it. Um, I I search on YouTube for Beatles covers all the time. Like I constantly go to people's streams where they cover Beatles songs. Like I just like hearing people's covers of Beatles because I love the songs. I just know the recording so well. Yeah. And, yeah. I was going to say, have you have you ever watched the um, the film um, Across the Universe, which is like a, it's like a kind of rock opera, but like so they made a story out of the Beatles songs. But every time they use a Beatles song in it, it's kind of a like almost musical. Um, every time they use a Beatles song within the um, within the film, it's a completely different cover, and some of the takes on them are really good. Yeah, I, I've seen it. I, I'm not a big like theater or musical fan, and that was kind of why it kind of got me like a little like weird. Little, like, yeah, <laughs> like, I know the, the the story to it is pretty is pretty awful. Yeah. But I like the, the music. Music aside, I really love the Helter Skelter cover, which um, that they had on that. Oh. They use a female vocalist, and I feel like it brought something big to it. I love, yeah, I love uh, female renditions of the Beatles. I think that's always a fresh take on it. Um, 
but yeah, I, I'll have to go back to, to check out that, that, that was it across the universe, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, um, uh, main character's called Jude. It's a, it's a bit silly really, but, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a film for Beatles fans yeah, that's yeah, like unapologetically yeah. so. But like because of that, like I mean, you know, it's going to be impossible to please everyone. Are you selling it to me, or are you? I don't are know. You like... It's not that. It wasn't. It's not that. I mean, I, I haven't watched it in a long time now. But you're, like, you're backing out. You're backing out. <laughs> <laughs> so I think back in the USSR is a great track. You said you're kind of like lukewarm to it, right? I would say the first time I heard it, but which like for me happened to be as like a young child, uh, it was it was it was going off. But like I think because I I had to listen to it in car journeys like on maybe nigh on a thousand times, I think it had to drop a point for me. But like going back to it with a more fresh take, it's still it's still a solid song. I I going on to track two, Dear Prudence. I actually prefer this song. I love the um. I feel like this is for me is like the that was the kind of like hard start to the album for me. Dear Prudence is like the soft sunrising of the the beginning of the album. Yeah, it's about um, I forget who like one of the girls that he was with, McCartney was with, uh, or no, John was with. She had locked herself in the room. And she she didn't want to come out, and um, and that was his like song for her. And I believe that was in India as well. That happened in where he wrote that that track. Uh, I love um, that that towards the the latter half of the song where it crescendos. Mm. Oh man. Um, look around, round, and uh, oh man, it just builds up. Um, I, I yeah. love it. It has a bit of um, it, for me, it has a little bit of a "Here Comes the Sun" type kind of vibe, or or sunking or something. It's that for me, it's that same kind of like is the the way they sometimes Beatles have these songs that they kind of like slowly open, and um, they kind of open into this kind of like happy, happy, sunny world. And for me, it was yeah, definitely reminded me of those tracks as well. It's a big song, like it, it becomes a big song, and I, I always like, I, I always want more out of it. Like I wanted to like just go nuts, kind of like um, the way they ended, like um, on the, the end, you know, um, that something like huge like that. But uh, yeah, um, solid track. That's like an A plus for me, um, and so is uh, back in the USSR. That's like an A for me. Okay, yeah, I I could go behind that A and then like A plus for Dear Prudence. Yeah. Um, moving on to Glass Onion, I'm I've always been a huge fan of this track. I don't know, I feel like this one's really cool. It's quite an edgy track. I like the Strawberry Fields reference. I always like um, uh, kind of references within artists to other things they've done. I I really, you know, the the thing I love about uh, Glass Onion is, is that the lyrics. The lyrics are so. There, I, I think what, what Lennon was he, so the thing about Lennon's lyrics is he's there's a scene, um, I think it's on Imagine or one of the documentaries with, with Lennon where there's that, that hippie that comes to the, his uh, mansion and he's like all drugged up and he's like on acid and he's flipping out and, and Lennon comes out and they give him a blanket and I think they give him some like tea and uh, the guy is like he's quoting some lyrics and Lennon is sitting there going, it's just a song, man. They're just lyrics. They don't mean anything. And he's trying to calm down the guy because the guy was really reading into the lyrics, right? And, and Lennon's just like, it's just a song, man. 
they don't mean anything you know like and uh, i think uh glass onion is like one of those like that that's like what what i'm talking about is a lot of lennon's lyrics don't make any sense and there you know people read really into it a lot and i'm in the i'm in that um area where i believe that like you know it's just a song i honestly like connect to the music more than lyrics a lot but specifically with the beatles i don't look into it but the lyrics on that one are fun man i mean like i, I told you about uh what, what does he say uh the walrus was paul um <laughs> he you know like he's he's being cheeky the whole song like the whole song he's just being cheeky man yeah I know, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, the fool, the fool on the hill. It's just it's full of references. I, it's almost like it's a it's kind of a fan service one, but it's also like not one that's trying to be pretentious, which I think comes across a lot in this this album. And yeah, stuff. it's it, I yeah, the glass onions like it's like a fan's. Um, it was like a a wink to his fans, right? Like that's yeah. what it was. Like it was dropping all those like references. It was dropping like all Beatles references in Glass Onion, talking about strawberry fields um you know the walrus was paul uh yeah. like he's playing with he's playing with like beatles lore in that song uh don't you think yeah definitely and i think almost it's a, i guess and it's an indictment of where they are at this stage you know the beatles mania has reached this kind of peak and i think to a certain extent they're not they're not the the you know the happy clappy guys that they started out you know, at this point, they're kind of, they've become a bit cynical. You know, people are, are annoyed at them for supposedly, like, pushing drugs on kids. And they're kind of like, well, you're the ones talking about us doing it. Why, why don't you just, like, not print it if you're if you, if against it? And it's a valid yeah, point. So, <laughs> so I think he makes, like, almost, like, three references. He talks about, like, uh, fixing a hole in the ocean, you know. Um, yeah. it, are they talking about the the track from, you know, uh, Sergeant Pepper? Um, and then the walrus, strawberry fields. I mean, there's like, there's a ton of like references of Beatles folklore and, and Beatles lore in, in that song. But it's a it's a killer track. I'd love to cover that myself, man. That's a cool song. Like, I'd like to hear an like, underrated one. I think. I think an acapella version of that, or some sort of like doo-wop version of like a glass onion, would be really cool. <laughs> okay, doo-wop glass onion. I need to hear that. <laughs> I don't. I, think I didn't I, think I, I'd go into this talk and like my come like my come away would be like, why didn't they ever do a doo-wop glass onion? You know what? It's just I'm I'm listening to a lot of doo-wop these days. I think. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, um, speaking of doo-wop and um, maybe more sing-songy music. Next is the infamous Obla D Obla Da. Oh, and I goodness. I I do not like this song. I've never liked this song. How I don't know what it is. How Why does everyone love this song? <laughs> is it just me? Am I the only one? You know. Even even it was. Do you remember it was featured uh, as the track for um, "Life Goes On"? The the there was a TV series called "Life Goes On" uh, back in the '90s on like ABC or NBC, and that it, like they opened up with that, um, which was weird because they licensed that song, and the Beatles were like hardcore, like anti like licensing and back in the day too. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that song is great. I the story like with McCartney, they were in was in Jamaica and uh, he had heard some some guy in a bar say, oh, bloody, oh, blada, man, life goes on. And uh, he took that and put that into a song. That guy would end up like suing McCartney. <laughs> he was like, no, it's serious. Like he sued McCartney for that. And he didn't, he didn't get anything out of it. 
Um, but uh, yeah, man, that's where it came from. It was like, it's like a Jamaican kind of like a saying. Yeah, I think, I mean, you get that kind of, that kind of like upbeat, swingy rhythm to it, I guess. It's almost, it's almost like Scar, kind of. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Two tone, or maybe, maybe two tones a better comparison, but like it's quite similar to that kind of like, uh, um, I, kind of reggae inspired. I love the beat, you know, the boom, 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 boom. I, I yeah. just, so cool, you know, and then, and it breaks down with it. In a couple of years, they have built a home, sweet home. Da, 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 da. I, I think it's cool, man. Um, yeah. Maybe see, there's a darkness see... in me that doesn't, can't accept that. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think it's, this is another case of another song that like I was, I was forced to listen to a lot as a child. And, um, yeah, some. I mean, this this is up there with my Octopus's Garden is a song I just abjectly hate, and um, I've never been a fan of the Yellow Submarine either. But they're like, I don't. It's almost because like they're almost too obvious Beatles songs, and like maybe also sometimes what do you talk mean to people about that? what do you well, mean maybe by it's too obvious that like perhaps you talk to people about their favorite Beatles song, and like it would often come up. I mean, I, I met these two girls and. One of them had Obla D written on her arm, and I was like, "Please tell me your friend doesn't have Obla Da like tattooed on the <laughs> other arm." And she did. And like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's I've is got a long like, history with this it, song. So wait, wait, wait. Is it like the the heart locket the, the, where you you your friend wears one piece of the heart and then she wears the other? But she that's what they did was like they had the Obla D and then her friend has the Obla Da. They did. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't think she's listening, that's... but. I did. I hated that. Um, I mean, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say I hate that. But I was like, oh, you could have picked a better song. <laughs> it's uh, I think what I said. But I mean, if you like I, it, it's it's up to you. I just I don't know what it is about. I've, I have this I have this battle going on. I think it's also like you, when you I want to talk to people. Maybe I want to talk to them about Glass Onion, and then they want to talk to me about Obla D Obla Da. And I, maybe that annoys me. You're like, listen, man. I- I've heard enough about Obladi. Listen, <laughs> what I'm trying to talk about is class. Is Oblada. <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah, maybe happiness is a warm gun or something. Because, I mean, I often talk to other, and when I'm trying to sell the Beatles as a band to, to people, especially people that are more into, like, alt-rock like, or, like, trying, more modern. Who, it's 2022. Who are you trying to sell the Beatles to? Like, at that point, like it's done man <laughs> you'll be surprised there are people that overlook them because of almost because of their popularity that they go oh like oh they're that just they're kind of like that they only know maybe like three or four songs and i go oh no there probably will be something you like and i feel like for some of those people you have to almost get over like we're all levy in a yellow submarine and um that's true that's you know, true I, they're yeah, quite cool right. they can be cool and i feel like sometimes songs like obla di obla da i feel like don't always help my case so hey kids i know that you're really into uh this such uh, this trap music but uh, have you heard yeah have you listened to uh why don't we do it in the road Oh man! All right, all right. I'm jumping the gun here. I'm jumping the gun. Okay. Um, next up good, is good, good um, reference, by the way. Good drop on the jump the gun. Uh, yeah. Superior. Oh yeah. Oh, well, right. We will definitely jump that gun, and I think we might agree on that one. But um, uh, wild honey pie is next, which Ooh. is uh, I feel like if Obladi Obladar isn't the start of it, I feel like wild honey pie is the real actual start of where like the weird, weird, silly joke songs begin. 
Yeah, I and I think that uh, I said that at the beginning of this, uh, where like I feel like when you have that when you create a double album, you're even like on like I said other double albums that, that you know I referenced earlier, um, you're gonna find stuff that's just like I don't know either filler, <clears throat> I wouldn't say junk, but I mean in my opinion like I can't stand Wild Honey Pie, I mean it's a weird song. It's like Honey Pie. <laughs> And it's got that weird. I think it's a jaw harp or something. It's like sounds awful. It sounds awful. And <laughs> there's a there's actually an and out of craziness, of the Pixies. I'm a huge Pixies fan. The Pixies covered Wild Honey Pie and Why? they put it out. I don't know. And they they write like of all the songs, like Frank Black is like, I'm going to cover Wild Honey Pie. Um, but uh, he, yeah, they covered it, and it's just as awful. <laughs> it's just as awful. And uh, but it, it's you know it is what it is. Um, I I feel like it's that filler material that they put on there. Maybe this is what George Martin was talking about when he was talking about like they came with so much material and some of it was really underwhelming. Um, I don't know how that got on the album. But it did. It's in. But John recorded that all by himself. So like, that's all John. Like, there's not a lot of input from the the other Beatles. Like that was he had recorded that uh, on his own. And um, I don't know if he used like session musicians or what. But like that was uh, that was a Lennon piece. If he did, he should fire them. I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> someone somewhere should have told him. But I feel like almost that's almost the point. I mean, to a certain extent, like I understand the concept of anti-music. It's almost like you, you've had so many like bits of music that you've constructed and sound good and, and almost to a formula, you're making it good that maybe to an extent he's like, maybe I just want to make something that isn't good as a as a curveball or maybe maybe i'm giving them credit here but i mean i i like that i quite sometimes do enjoy anti-music but i feel like it always still has to be a little bit actually good i think john wrote that in like just like as a i don't know like fucking i'm gonna i'm gonna put something out there and i i bet you i can get anything on this fucking album like i i, I yeah. feel like he, yeah you just put it out there, man. Um, yeah, I, I can say that that track for me is probably like like a C. Yeah. C <laughs> is generous. C is quite that's, generous. That's gener- that is being generous. Yeah, maybe we can rank the worst ones like um, when we're finished as well. Because, I mean, there are contenders on this album. I mean, another contender for me is um, Bungalow Bill. The thing is about Bungalow Bill that always upsets me is like the intro it's like this like wild i should say the continuing continuing story of bungalow bill that not that he's ever mentioned before or after but like it's the intro where it's just this beautiful little bit of flamenco guitar and i'm like oh where is this going is did Paco de la Cia look work on this track and then suddenly <laughs> like that ends and then this like crappy song starts <laughs> i get really yeah. upset every time it starts with the flamenco, you know, run, you know, the, the flamenco run in the beginning. And then it starts with, hey, bungalow bell. I think, is this the joke? Are they just laughing at us at this stage? I think. I think so. I think the Beatles were putting, <laughs> playing a big joke on us. Um, so this is when, when I first bought the White Album, uh, well, it was my dad's, but like, and, and not to mention the, the Beatles' White Album has come out so many times i forgot to mention that like there's the mono version which um it was one of the last mono recordings and so 
there's still some mono uh, recording on it, but they've released the stereo. So stereo was coming out right around that time. So stereo was going huge. So they were kind of like getting away from the mono recordings. But so you can still like purchase uh, the Beatles White Album mono and it, you can like fade, you can pan back and forth. And that's what sucks though is, um, you know, like say like you're listening to like the Beatles White Album and, and it's the mono recording of it and uh, you take off like one, you know, you know, one earbud and like you're, you're going to miss like the left vocals or you're going to miss like some guitar part, which was horrible. Right. But it's yeah. kind of cool. It's a cool experience if you can experience the mono, but they put out the mono and then the stereo and then like they re-released it in 2018. Um, Bungalow Bill, uh, going back to Bungalow Bill, this whole like section of like, um, wild honey pie and then bungalow bill like and i believe the next track like are some songs that i just like i for a long time skipped and i those are the songs i need to make friends with again man i have to i still have not made friends with them do you need to make friends with them I don't know. Um, I, the, with the mono talk, I thought you were about to be like, yeah, but if you listen to Bungalow Bill <laughs> in mono, it's incredible. <laughs> I was going to be like, oh, right, okay. It's <laughs> like, uh, did you ever ever watch um, Half-Baked? Where, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where John John Stewart's character is like, have you ever uh, watched this movie? And he's like, have you ever watched it on weed? It's like, have you ever listened to the Beatles? Have you ever yeah. listened to it in mono? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... And then maybe like take one of the ears off. So like, it's just like one half of it. Yeah. I, I, I don't like this song. It's so like, it's, I usually skip it. It's a skip for me, but yeah. I listened to it today and, you know, I still feel the same way about it. Like I have, I want to meet, I want to talk to somebody who, who has like speaking of talk i mean i don't know if there's any comments or anything like that but um i, I want to like see if anybody has like another take on bungalow bill because i it seems like you don't like it i don't like it i've never really met a you know met someone who was like oh i love the beatles and you're like oh really and then you know they're always like oh yeah yesterday i just love yes i, I want to meet someone who's like oh yeah i love the beatles bungalow bill yeah. wild honey pie and bungalow what? bill like that back to back so good, so good. Yeah, um, no worries. Yeah, me too. I I would like to meet that person. I'm sure they exist because the, with a band as popular as they are, I guarantee you, there's someone that has tattooed on their chest is like the continuing story of Bungalow Bill. I bet there are children called Bungalow Bill uh, in reference somewhere. Maybe only one actually. <laughs> You're like maybe none. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe none. <laughs> maybe in an alternate universe or like I don't know. <laughs> I don't, the odds on it are going to be low, actually. Now, now that I'm saying it out loud, it is such a bad song that I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go. Sorry. Now that I hear myself speak these words out loud, I realize yeah. <laughs> it just didn't scan. Like in my head, I was like, oh, probably it's it's possible. But then, yeah, when I said it, I was like, no, nah, there's there's some things in life that are probably certain. You know, and one of them is what? that Bungalow Bill is nobody's favorite Beatles song. There needs to be a duet version of Bungalow Bill. I think that that's what it would make it better. <laughs> that's what would make it better. What is this with this duet white album? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've never considered it. Maybe, maybe this needs I to happen. They, I think you and I should make it. We should make the duet uh, white album, man. The duet album, the 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 white white wap. I don't know. It's not that. It's not Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's something else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's next? Um, I'm going to quickly go through the comments, actually, before I forget. Um, okay. And we get 
we got lost in a rabbit hole. Um, Loop um, RM says John's his favorite Beatle. He always said he was happiest with most of his work on this album, which is one of the reasons it's his, it's his personal favorite Beatles album. Um, the most soulful, intense one, and also the one with by far the most crapola. And um, he loves three of the George's tracks too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely agree with a, a lot of those sentiments there. Um, yep, yep, me too. Bear Hug Betty says it has one of her favorite Beatles song on it, and um, and that's Revolution One, the fast version. Okay, that wouldn't have been um, my guess, but interesting. Okay. Um, Cassandra Antonja says it's her favorite Beatles album, which contains a favorite Beatles song. And um, I'm not going to say which ones they are because I have a feeling these are going to come up. Um, and then Mick Taylor of the Stones Prime did better solos in, in Loop's opinion. Then George H. and Keith Richards created a lot more Immortal Risk than George. I love both bands, though, both in my top five bands of all time. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I do think, um, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not that old. As a guitar player, like, uh, I mean, I've never really looked to, to either bands for my guitar fix. Um, growing up, I was more of a, I'd say like a Led Zepp, um, maybe Who type of type of stuff. But, but I mean, yeah. And then he says, um, I don't think Keith compared to Hendrix as a technical wizard or innovator, but as a riffmeister, um, created with Rod Taylor and Nicky Hopkins and Wyman and Wood and Jagger, he's the man. But yeah, I mean, a guitar hero chat will definitely have to do at some point because I got a, I got a lot of them. Oh, um, I would love that. Yeah, that sounds great. And um, Greg says, I'm not in love with the pop song. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, me neither, Greg's. I'm not the only one, okay? It's you know me what? and Greg's 2421. You know what? You guys have fun over there in your corner <laughs> with being anti oh blah, the oh, blah, blah. You know, I love it. I'm a, I'm an optimist, and, I, and I'm an I'm a easy, nice guy, and, and I'm an easygoing guy. <laughs> also, I'm not I an easy, it. nice guy because I don't like oh, the. Is that like the, yeah, is that like the you're, human you're, test? Do you like oh, blah, oh, blah, blah? And I'm like, you no. And you're like, you suck. You're going to hell. <laughs> You're being a real cynic, Guitar Varian. You're being a real cynic. Just enjoy I it. I, I, I know. I just, I don't know what it is. I want to. I did really try this time. And I honestly, I probably enjoyed it more than I've ever enjoyed it. Um, but I like, especially hearing that you like it makes me want to like it more. Um, but I, I just don't. I just don't. Well, uh, I, I, I take the reason I like it so much is because I tend to really side with Paul. I love Paul's writing. I love oh, okay. the, the reason I love Paul's writing is because he's so whimsical. He's uh, he's a big, uh, big band kind of fan. He's a big um, ballad fan. Um, he, he's obviously the, the romantic. He's the heart in the sleeve. He's, he's a ladies. Man. He's a ladies man, you know, and he's a crooner. And, and uh, I think that um, he he his songwriting is so much more sophisticated than, than Lennon's songwriting. Oh, um, Oh yeah, I'll I'll go Hot down take. that rabbit hole. Yeah. I'll take and and uh, but I that's what I love his songs are so polished and I think it's that baritone voice. It can just I'll follow Paul, you know. Wow. I'll follow him. With Do the, you have a shrine you know? to him in your house? Yeah, it sounds like you're in love with Paul. You know what, man? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, that's definitely a, a hot take. I mean, for, for all of the... I always feel like Paul maybe is a little bit too cheesy for me. I feel like... I always felt like John Lennon's a bit cooler, but that also obviously because of that, I think sometimes John Lennon does get a bit out there. I once heard this um, quote, and you may agree with this, in that um, the best Beatles songs are actually Paul McCartney trying to impress John Lennon with music. 
Well, that was kind of all the like, the, the I kind of I see that like that was kind mm. of the origin, right? Like they brought McCartney in, and he kind of like you know showed because it was it was a was it Pete Best and Lennon who were starting the band, and then yeah, brought, uh, and then jo- George they found George, and then George brought Paul, and then Paul kind of had to like show him what he had, and they were just impressed because he could play like bass, guitar, drums, and everything. So, oh yeah, know, the most musically gifted for sure. Of, of them yeah. all. What's next? Uh, the next is the great While My Guitar Gently Weeps, which for me, this for the longest time, I think, if anyone asked me what my favorite Beatles song was, it was this one. I, w- I used to say this one um, growing up as a, like when I was young, this was, I think because I had the word guitar in it and I played guitar. <laughs> but like, I, I also like, I liked, um, I also liked how it's just kind of one. Uh, progression that then just flips to a major version of that exact same progression i don't know mm-hmm. there's something about it yeah. it like it makes sense and it as as a guitar player it's very it's a good song to learn if you're starting out yeah as a guitar player yeah i can absolutely agree like growing up playing guitar like you know it was an easy song to learn like the a minor to the g to the uh, f sharp to the f and then the e major uh, but it's what's funny is that the same chord progression as uh, Led Zeppelin's "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You." It's yeah. just the "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You" is just <clears throat> picked, right? It's an arpeggio rather than um, rather than just a straight strum like the Beatles did. And uh, but same chord progression. I always thought that was funny. And I used to, like, as a kid, we'd be in guitar class, you know, and we'd be, we'd all love playing like while well, my guitar gently weeps in guitar class, and we'd all like solo over it. And then I would always turn it into, you know, babe, I'm going to leave you. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. the same chords. Um, uh, so while my guitar gently weeps, first time they have a guest guitarist. And who is that guest guitarist? Eric Clapton. And how did he right. repay them for bringing him on board? How did he, he, he uh, well, uh, he wrote a song, the whole, the whole, do you do you know the whole story with Clapton and like Harrison? Clapton and, like and Harrison, of, yeah, that's what I was. Clapton and Harrison were, yeah, they're friends. They were friends, but you know, you know, Clapton writing a song about Harrison's girlfriend, you know, and that's kind of yeah, running up. off and marry, yeah, marries her, I think. Um, but she did, you know, ex-wife. She, she, yeah, he married that. So that's what that's who Layla's about, right? Yeah, Layla's about Harrison's uh, ex and. Uh, but even to the to that day, she said that Harrison was her true love. But uh, yeah, that solo is, the... is good. Yeah, it is a good solo. Do you prefer that to the back in the USSR solo then, or? Uh, yeah, I prefer Clapton solo. It's yeah, solo, it's, it's a bit better. He, it's a it's a man. It's a it's a beast of a song. Like the back, like that's the thing about the the Beatles is like the the backtracks, like the the. The drums and the bass are so heavy on uh, while my guitar gently weeps, you know, it's just like, and um, it it just goes really heavy. Um, I know when they got inducted to the Hall of Fame, or was it uh, a tribute concert? I never know. I never can remember. But they there was a cover where they they had an all star band and it had like Ron Wood and uh, a ton of like guitars, like famous guitarists on there, and the Prince. Prince was like soloing over. Yeah, I've he seen was, that concert. He, and Prince rips and that solo. Crushed. Prince rips crushes. That solo. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just Prince being like, and that's the thing. You never realize how good of a guitarist Prince is, man. You're just like, holy shit. That's but, an iconic I mean, moment. 
but back to the song, I think the song is an A. Like, it, you know, the, what the one line that really gets to me is like uh, the the perverted line. You know, like you were, you were perverted too. Yeah, you know, where you I always that. think about that. It always like sticks on me for some reason. I'm like, what? Why was he perverted? Are we gonna go yeah, into like, that or? What what are we talking about here, George? Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a George Harrison song, man. I mean, this is, you know, uh, Harrison all the way, man. This is the, a lot of people don't realize what a powerhouse Harrison was. Um, I still think that he put out the the first solo album that was like phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. Mm. I mean, it was um, All Things Must Pass is a cr- crazy good album. Um, so, uh, yeah, Harrison all the way on this song, he wrote it, got his buddy Clapton to play on it. And, um, I mean, I don't have much input concerning like the, you know, Paul and John and Ringo and and on this track, I just, it's kind of limited what I know, but, um, I, I enjoy it, man. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think George Harrison's kind of suffered from being overshadowed by, by just two musical behemoths that I think maybe in a, in a group where maybe there was, there was less of that. I think he, he definitely would perhaps get more respect. Um, yeah. than perhaps he's, um, perhaps he does get, but yeah, I mean, I always knew this as the George Harrison track. So, I mean, um, is there any, is there, would you say there's any other George Harrison track that's better than this one or is this is, you know, um, weak? on, on well, it's definitely better than Piggies, but uh, yeah. It, <laughs> but uh, is there like a better track like that Harrison wrote, like all to, like out of everything in in, in any like yeah? Oh, I would say within the Beatles. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, like you have Harrison with something. I mean, something. Is, yeah, that's that's a that's beautiful the, song. It's a beautiful song, man. I mean, it doesn't get better than that, man. But yeah, while well, I guitar gently weeps is probably like second for me, but something is. Like that song is just timeless. Um, yeah, excellent. And also, I just remembered with that Prince solo. I remember he, I, I might be remember remembering this one, but I swear he throws the guitar up into the ceiling and they pull it up. I just remember. I don't know. I, I'm just that's. I still. I don't remember, remember that. that. Does he? I. I you the, have to watch it again. I like. I. I, I, I mean, I have to watch Was it he, again as well. But. He's playing the purple. The purple guitar with his. Like, yeah. Sign, right. Like. The, I think as he like, ends, he just like throws it, and it just like like comes up into the seat like into the top of the stage and it just it was so cool this might not have happened was i dreaming i think yeah (laughs) there should be a a prince cover band but it should be like a prince beatles band where every member dresses like prince and they do beatles they do beatles renditions uh but as prince so they're like funk versions of like beatles oh i love that white album and a prince uh white album Oh, I would love a funk Beatles album. I could definitely get on that. Um, but yeah, next up, track eight, um, Happiness is a Warm Gun. I mean, this, I think, might be my favorite Beatles song ever. I love this song. I love the progression of it. I love that there's so much there. I I just, I love every section of it. I think sometimes in Beatles songs, like it moves to a section. I go, oh, I kind of preferred like the first section. Can you go back to that one? But this is one where I, I adore every single section of this song. I think it fits together perfectly. It's just, it's got, it's kind of almost like a prog rock song, kind of. Yeah, there's, there's different suites in the song. Um, it's three, <clears throat> it's basically three different songs just mashed up into one, which a lot of artists like end up doing right is i think it's you have um 
you know, you probably have like tons of ideas for songs and then uh, you really don't, you can't, I don't know, maybe you couldn't create that bridge, you know, and then uh, you're like, you know what, whatever, man, I'm just going to glue these, I'm going to glue these songs together. And uh, so you have the first movement, you know, the she's not a girl who misses much. Oh, yeah. And then boom. You know, she's well acquainted with a touch of a velvet hand like a lizard on a window pane. You know, um, once again, John Lennon's just nonsensical, like, lyrics, man. Like, this, his lyrics just make no sense in this. Yeah. So, um, what does he say? Uh, I'm going to have to look it up. He says something about, like, I'm, I'm uh, a soaked compression of his wife, which she, I don't, hold on. I'll, I'm going to look it up right now. He says, uh, a so- oh, a soap impression, a soap impression of his wife, which he ate and donated to the National Trust. Yeah. It's like, Lennon, Lennon, what are, what are you doing here, man? Yeah, like, I, I, just, I, don't, I didn't I don't, get I don't, that. I, don't got you. I mean, like, I've uh, been to a lot of National Trust sites, and um, yeah, I can't see <laughs> any of them, like, wanting a soap impression of someone's wife that had already been consumed. Uh, I just... Uh, and then you have, and then you have the uh, the second part of the song um, uh, where it, it goes, "I need a fix because I'm going down, down right? to the bits that I left uptown." I think that's my favorite bit. Actually, I would say that right. if I had to rank then, them, I love that bit. You like you like that part? Okay. Oh. And then the next the next section is um, uh, Mother Superior jumped a gun. Mother Superior, John, you have that part, which is cool, right? Because you have that guitar line, do do do. Like, you have that really cool riff that uh, Harrison's playing, um, and it just go, it just starts rocking, and then boom, you end with happiness, uh, which is um, which remind that section of that song is my favorite. Um, is a wong, uh, and uh, it almost turns, it almost sounds like a oh darling from uh, Abbey Road. That section mm. of him where he, he goes, the happiness is a warm gun. Yes, it is. Yeah. Happiness. That It reminds me so much of Oh Darling, um, which kind of harkens like a, like a 50s kind of sound, in my opinion. Um, but that's my favorite. So your, your favorite was uh, the I Need a Fix part? Yeah, I think it is. I don't know. I like how edgy it, uh, edgy it gets. I feel like there's this kind of topsy-turvy nature to it. I know. I feel, I feel yeah. like that's a, it's a very cool vibe. I'm a, and I think also maybe because it's short, it's like one of the shorter parts. That's why I don't know. It, it's like I, I can't wait for that little bit. I mean, yeah. I, and I was talking about this on a talk uh, we did a, a little while ago. Uh, I did it with uh, Scotch, and I was talking about how that was this Happiness is a Warm Good was uh, a huge inspiration for um, Paranoid Android from. Radiohead. Yeah, it's got it's got the three different sections. Um, so if you listen to it, and Tom York was like, "It's just happiness is a warm gun." Like that's what he just, like, <laughs> that's all. Yeah, that's happy all, that Android my... with the the kind of like tepid revolver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, man, I, this song is an A plus for me. I that's my, it's one of my favorite tracks on the album. I you know what? It, it might be my favorite track. I don't know yet. I. I'll make yeah. up my mind. I mean, it's a, and it's also, it's a John Lennon track. You know, I thought you were Mr. McCartney. 
I, uh, hey, listen, man. I just want the Beatles. Okay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know. It's tough. I mean, I have a friend who, who always used to tell me that he loves Paul McCartney. And then I, every time I like point out like his favorite songs on each album tend to be a Lennon track. And he kind of like, I don't know, he has to go back to the drawing. It's tough. It's tough. But um, yeah, I read that. I mean, Lennon um, always wanted this song to have just this increasing excitement and climax and then eventual redemption. And um, apparently he based that off uh, listening to Wagner. So. Uh, maybe that kind of explains the the amount of motifs and sweets to it. There you go. Uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely like there's different movements in that, right? Like, I love that. You know, I love like different movements, different sweets when when artists do that. Um, I love like short songs. Uh, that's why I love that that Abbey Road like uh, last half of the album because there's like they're little sweets, right? Um, and, and it's so funny because like my opinion on that goes into like <clears throat> like film where i love films that like have like little vignettes and little like stories like uh like you know films like creep show i don't know if you've ever seen creep show the the stephen king um Rodri- was it romero film uh where there's different stories like i just love like short little like digestible stuff that i can get like that rather than this like huge thing like that's why mm. like i can't get into like roger waters stuff because it's so like operatic it's so like this so huge it's like a huge like um what's the word concept right yeah he doesn't let he either i think he gets too obsessed with his concepts and i feel like that's almost epitomizes him as a person is that and i think that's why he's quite difficult is that he's kind of just he's kind of off on his own one and like he basically just wants to kind of steer everything towards that all the time and it is a bit tiring and i feel like that's probably where the rift between him and the other band members um, because I'm definitely, um, I mean, now we're, we're completely changing bands here, but yeah, I'm definitely um, more of but a I David Gilmore fan. There's diff- there's there's definitely things to be said. Like uh, they they get if they if they have things in common, you know. Like uh, I often like think about like you know I I look at you know bands like the way you know people who are really into sports like looking at like I, I constantly look at people's stats and stuff like that and musicians yeah. and I I think that like Waters is like the Lennon right I think that Lennon and Waters have a lot in common with the the way they were. And their, you know, their ideas um, that they put forth in their albums. Um, so there's, there's definitely we're, we're in that same bubble, man. We're okay. We're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> we're okay. yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, um, to keep it moving, the next track is Martha, my dear. Which you, um, yeah, I mean, you've privately mentioned to me. Spoiler alert: that you really like this track. Oh, do I? I played it last night. I was streaming last night, and I played it. And I, I made everybody. I forced everybody to listen to it. Um, it's such. It's that is like top for me. Um, it's uh, written about Paul's dog. Um, you know, that's all that needs to be said about it. Paul's dog, and uh, but I love the crescendo uh, in the middle where he's like, "Take a good look around you." And then you'll see that you and me were meant to be, right? And it, oh, man, I love when it builds up, city girl. And then you have yeah. that, that brass section. It's all yeah, yeah. That brass section is so funny and it's so cool. Um, but uh, that's Paul, and that's Paul's whimsical writing right there, right? Like it's a, it's a whimsical recording. Um, it's almost unlike any Beatles song, like, like really. 
Yeah, I mean, like when I listen to it, I mean, I do, I do like it, and I have a respect for it. But I mean, yet again, I feel like it's almost too. It's a bit too McCartney, a bit too McCartney cheese for me. But it, re- it reminded me very much of like a Electric Light Orchestra. I feel like they listened to mm. that song and they just took their whole. They were like, we could just do this. This is a vibe. So, we could just make a band out of this. That is incredible that you said that because um, I don't know what Beatles. I don't know if it was. Paul, I feel like it's Paul or George, but there was uh, an interview they did and they were like, so you guys ever think about, you know, getting back together? And one of them, one of them said, if you want, if you want new Beatles music, just go listen to Electric Light Orchestra and Jeff Lynne. Okay, they're they're yeah. doing, he basically said they're doing stuff that, you know, you know, I believe the Beatles would have like you know there's some good stuff in there and uh he's absolutely right i mean jeff lynn is um just a melody master uh he's he can craft a song like no other like his he just writes a pop hit like no other and and um if you look if you go into like electric light orchestra um thinking that going okay let me go into listening to electric light orchestra as if this is like the new beatles and just imagine for a second just like to suspend your you know belief for a second and go okay this is the beatles in 1970 in the 70s mm-hmm. you'll, you'll you'll surprise yourself and be like oh i mean dude this is crazy i mean listen to listen to um you know like mr blue sky i mean yeah it's very it's very reminiscent of like uh, your mother should know like let's all sing uh, or get up and dance to a tune that was a hit before your mother you know that it's it's so similar and um Man, yeah. So I, I think that that's uh, goes hand in hand. Almost too similar for me. I think sometimes I'm like, couldn't they? Have ch- I, don't, I don't know. But I mean, it's not a, if you're gonna if you're gonna be inspired by a sound, you know, you can't really go wrong with picking like that that kind of orchestrally uh, Beatlesy vibe, uh, the orchestral nice progression sounds that they have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I th- I think that ELO basically is like. Beatles on steroids, man. Like, there's, they're just, that's what, and I've done that before. I've listened to them and I'm like, wow, like, it is like that, man. Um, you know, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Jeff Lynn. It's Watcher Orchestra. They're great. They're fantastic. Um, but Martha, my dear, love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I wanted to like it more, but I also, don't, I'm not huge on um, ELO either, but. I, uh, I mean, they're both, it, it, it is a good song. Like, I definitely, like, came out you know of it. Like, that's so well written. You're it's, Lennon, I'm McCartney. That's I know, 100%. That is exactly <laughs> what's going on. I mean, I've always felt, I've always kind of um, sided with Lennon for some reason. I don't know what it is. Even through his, like, uh, I don't know, his, like, wacky film. I even watched the Lennon and Yoko self-made film, and it is awful. It is terrible. It's so long. It doesn't have any meaning. It's just... It's just them standing around their house filming each other, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm fully in the, I'm wearing those John Lennon sunglasses and I'm spaced out right now. <laughs> it's just a song, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, next track we've got. Um, I'm so tired. I love this song. I feel like it's, um, it's, uh, I don't know. It's so cool. It's got such a yeah. vibe to it. I lo- I prefer the verse to the chorus, but like I honestly think they should have just stuck with the verse throughout. Just like just keep that vibe for like three uh, minutes. It would have been so cool. You don't you don't like the you say 
You're putting me yeah. on, but it's no joke. Yeah, I like it that once. Part... I don't like it twice. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I also I like it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this. This is a song that I I feel like would have been really good with a female vocalist. And the other um, main comment I had is like, "What's the beef with Rolta Rally?" Um, I don't know. They call him out for some reason. Uh, I was never quite sure why. That I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not familiar with that. Um, but uh, what's the deal with uh, Lennon writing these uh, these sleepy time songs? I mean, I remember he wrote "I'm Only Sleeping" on Revolver, and yeah. then he goes and does "I'm Only uh, I'm Only Sleeping" on on the White Album. <laughs> you know, get get some rest. Man. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's up all night doing something. Yeah, I'm I don't know. So tired. Yeah, I mean, maybe I, I relate to. Slept, yeah. to I haven't yeah. said to work. Yeah, maybe it's I relate to it because I'm often very tired, and I don't know. I like what I like about this song is that you know, have you ever been sitting there trying to like come up with a song or like uh, you know, you're just trying to play and like whatever you come up with, you ended up just playing directly how you feel, and then you just next thing you know, you're just writing about being tired, and um, I don't know. I find that highly relatable. It almost has slightly Probably. funky element to it as well. Me. I, I think th- I think the beginning chords, uh, the chord progression, uh, and his uh, lyric delivery sounds like um, like a very much like 1950s band, um, you know, like a like an Earth Angel kind of like song. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, a very, like 1950s vibe that he's got. I think that the Beatles did that a lot with a lot of their stuff. They they always harken back to the 50s because I mean that's when they grew up, right? They were kids. They were they were listening to like Chuck Berry and um, the, Sup- mm. the Supremes and um, Temptations and uh, Eddie Cochran. You know, they were listening to stuff like that. So it, it, it reflects on a lot of the stuff that they write. Yeah, they would have been at the Under the Sea dance in Back to the Future. That would have been them. <laughs> That's right. They would have been there. That's them, man. Yeah. Um, it's a cool song. It's a it's a very trippy song. Um, That's surprising that you said you don't like that middle part where it kind of gets a, but it it just stops though. You say it you're putting me on, but it's and then but then it goes back to the you know. Um, so, oh, but I like where he goes. Although I'm so tired, you know, my mind is set on. I forget what he says right there. I wonder should I, you know, that part. Oh man, mm. I yeah, good I think good song. A good vibe. I think it's because I want the song, I want him to be tired throughout the whole song. So when he doesn't sound tired, I think it like throws the illusion for me. <laughs> I'm just like, why? If you're tired, you wouldn't be doing a chorus right now, John. Like, go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Be consistent here. Like, yeah, uh, yeah that's it. And it, it is one of those songs that, like, you just kind of relax into it. And you put the headphones on and you're kind of drifting away. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you get woken up by that midsection of the song. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Um, and then, number 11, we have Blackbird. I mean, there's a lot of, we're in a big, we're in a good spree of good songs here. I mean, not including yeah. Bungalow Bill from While My Guitar to to blackbird that is a so, solid so, section so let's so let's go back so where did that the new where did the new movement the new suite start was it after bungalow bill <laughs> it was bungalow bill bungalow bill's the originator <laughs> of the great period of music that we're experiencing 
But what's the what's the ladder? What's what's after Bungalow Bill again? Is while my guitar gently weeps. Okay, so while my guitar gently weeps, right? And then you go to Martha, my dear. No, happiness right? is a warm gun. Then Martha. Oh, happy! Oh yeah. my God! So I know. Like, then yeah. it's I'm so tired. Then then Blackbird. That is a oh, killer. Man. That is a killer section. I love. I love. I mean, all great, great songs there. I think Blackbird is is, in my opinion, a bigger song than like. Um, I want to hold your hand in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Whenever, whenever I, you know, was playing guitar, like when I play guitar and I, they're like, Oh, do you know any Beatles? And then, you know, you play Blackbird for them. Cause it's a fun song to play. Right. That's mm. one of the first songs you learn as a guitarist. Um, and everyone loves Blackbird. I mean, it's a, it's a crowd pleaser. Like everyone knows Blackbird. Um, I, I you know, and you see it a lot in, in the, it's utilized in film a lot. Um, What's cool about Blackbird and being a classical guitarist is that he was playing around with the beret in E minor, McCartney, mm. and uh, so have you know the beret the da 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 yeah so he he was playing that and then that's where the shape of Blackbird came about right the chord structure of of the beret in E minor. So then that's where the chord shape started taking place. And that's what Blackbird is kind of uh, inspired by is that Bach piece. So that's kind of cool, man. Yeah. It's a, is it derives from a from beret. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense because it's just like classical guitar. It's just, everything fits together very nicely. I think it might be maybe my favorite acoustic guitar chord work ever. Just the way it slots together. It just, I don't know. It's so seamless the the section that goes up and then down i don't know mm -hmm. it's you're, perfect well, it's, it's perfect you're and as a guitarist you're you're basically going up the ladder down the ladder on the fretboard yeah. um you know playing these octave chords and and it's really fun to play um uh i love to play that song um I was going to say something else about it. Uh, oh, there was this, there was this little tidbit that I learned uh, about that song is they recorded a blackbird. Like, so at the very end, like you hear the, the little blackbird and, and someone was like, no, that's not a blackbird. That's another kind of like, it was some like bird watcher. It was like, that's not a blackbird. And, and McCartney was like, ah, it's a blackbird. <laughs> um, but uh, I, you know what I love about blackbird is not, not only, I mean, I, I love everything about it, but I love the intimacy of Blackbird and I love McCartney's rhythm and his like, he's just, he's just stomping to the beat. So you just hear him stomping like, like that, that rhythm part you hear, like just, that's just Paul. Yeah. That's just Paul. That's just Paul smacking his foot down to get that rhythm. Yeah. I, I'd say, I think it's my grandmother's favorite, um, my favorite Beatles song. But the thing is, I mean, whilst I love the intimacy and the kind of uh, almost simplicity of the recording, I do want a version where it had the kind of um, the Martin production, maybe some strings. I just want to hear that. I feel like they could have tried. Um, I don't know, know. It's almost like they just left it as it was, maybe because it's perfect as it is. But I do kind of want to know it, what that version's like and if I would have preferred it because I, I can't tell. Yeah, George Martin wanted he he wanted strings all over the place like that was his thing like yeah. <laughs> you know he would hear a song he's like all right get, get, give me the, get the, the strings the, out the, get, yeah. get the strings yeah. like no 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 like we just we just want it like this and he's like are you sure <laughs> yeah. it would sound a lot better with strings all over it just all over yeah. it just just, just jackson pollock all over <laughs> the goddamn song man. 
just all over, man. Um, yeah, dude, like Martin was was really big on the strings, um, so much so that like I think that they did get he did get a lot of fight back from the Beatles concerning like his production. Um, that's why that's why there's two uh, versions of Let It Be because there's Let It Be and then Let It Be Naked. Let It Be Naked mm. was released with there's no string accompaniment. It's just the band. Um, but you know the version that we have was just a heavily heavily produced Martin uh, album with tons of strings. So if you haven't listened to Let It Be Naked, that's a really good album just with the band. Um, so, some stuff is more noticeable than others, but I mean, you'll tell. Like you can, you could absolutely tell. Yeah, I mean, I think that relationship um, developed quite a lot because I, I mean, I read accounts where, like, in the early days, they used to call him the schoolmaster because he would, you know, constantly be trying to like refine their music and tell them certain songs weren't good enough or that, you know, they needed to work harder in some areas. And I think as they perhaps got more powerful in that relationship, I think he probably uh, um, waned and and he wasn't allowed to tell as many people. Uh, I mean, I know that definitely happened. I think he he was asked to work on Wings. And um, Paul brought him a bunch of songs, and he was like, "I don't, I don't think these are your best work." And Paul said, "I'm putting them on anyway." And he went, "Okay, then you don't want me to work on this." So, I don't yeah, know. it's an interesting relationship because he's also probably one of the uns. I mean, I love his his production work, and I do think he does kind of help make the band. I don't. It would it would work without him, but like I feel like it's an integral piece of what kind of solidifies it as this kind of work of art for me. I think George, yeah, I agree. I, I think George Martin is crucial in, in the production of the Beatles. I think that he absolutely made, um, you know, he would turn like, not necessarily cold, but he would definitely rough, like, you know, shine up those, those diamonds and make them, you know, he would see what he would see through like a lot of like the dirt and grime yeah. and, and be like, you know, and then he'd be like, throw some strings on it. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he, uh, he definitely would, he made them who they were with his production, you know, he made them bigger than, than they were. So they absolutely understood what, how crucial he was, but I'm sure that that, that wasn't always their intention or vision. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. I guess, especially if you've kind of hashed out the song and you're like, that's all the part that there needs to be. There's, you know, we're going to have bass, a piano and a guitar, one voice. That's all we need. And then he's like, well, have you thought about the, I was thinking of like tubers for like the second chorus. <laughs> and then maybe a French horn solo could come in like at minute three. <laughs> there's, there's this scene. Uh, did you ever see the rock, uh, walk hard, the Dewey Cox story? Yeah. There, there's yeah. this scene where like, um, was it um, John C. Riley's character is like uh, going on, like his right, because it, it, it basically mirrors the Beatles' uh, time in India. So, like, that's kind of like what they're spoofing and, and walk hard. And uh, he goes in the studio, but then, like, what they do is they spoof uh, basically Brian Wilson. Because oh, Brian yeah. Wilson, when he was when he was making like pet sounds, uh, like, he was like just putting like 100 piece orchestras with like different, like, utilizing all these different instruments and like uh john c Riley's in the studio and he's like you know like bringing in all these there's like uh, at one point there's like uh, goats inside the studio or something there's like animals in the studio and that like that's you know what i'm saying like it was just like this huge ridiculous thing that, that they wanted to put in the studio um but you don't have that in blackbird buddy you have just you just have paul and guitar and his foot and you have a back, you have probably, it's, it's overdubbed a little bit, right? They have a, there's a couple of tracks, like the vocal tracks in there. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. But it's real simple. What's, what's this? 
what's to say about that song, man? I mean, like it's um, it's great. One of my all time favorites, without a doubt. Like, um, yeah, it's it is perfect. It's a perfect song. Um, I followed by uh, Piggies, which uh, is not a perfect song. Well, that's your favorite song, right? Because you're is that is it? Didn't you say you liked it? Oh, what Piggies? Yeah. I no. I am no no I mean <laughs> it's it's not it's not the worst of the bad songs but like it's not it I don't know it's got a harpsichord in it it's so overly yes. whimsical I just I don't I don't know why it was made and I feel like it should have been cut <laughs> you think you think Paul was like he's like hey I'll do the whimsical stuff around here okay and then George George is like hey man like this is the, you know what's funny about that song is like. Go if you buy like the deluxe versions of this, there's so many like demo tracks. And when I was going through like the deluxe version of the white album, like there's so many like demos of piggies. I'm like, guys, you didn't need to put like more than like, like <laughs> more than two. I don't want to hear the demos of piggies. Like, <laughs> Do you want to know understand how know? we came to like create piggies? This is like our first yeah. version of the harpsichord section. This is like the third bit we tried, and then we settled on the fifth take. <laughs> nah, I, I don't want. I don't want it. I don't want yeah. it. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the little piggies? piggies? You know. I mean, he's he, obviously he trying say? to make a point. I think. I think he's talking yeah. about like piggies wearing suits as well. I think it's like a. Yeah. He's obviously being. It, he's it, being edgy and cool. I think, but in a silly way. Was there a, was there a political message I missed on that track? There probably is, right? Um. I don't know, yeah. man. I just, I just take it as um. Doesn't he? There's a part in the song where he says like, "All they need is a good, good, good whacking or something like that." Yeah. I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out, George. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, supposedly it's a um, a piece of social commentary and um, a mention of Orwellian satire, I guess, with the um, um, animal farm. I guess, like the the pigs are the the farm owners, yeah. I think, and um, I don't know. I don't know. It's not a good song, though. So, um, for music, for music reasons, I just I do not care for it. Yeah, I agree too. I, I honestly, that harpsichord really like takes me out of it too. Like, the, it's it's very well. It's but the thing when I was listening to it today, um, I was uh, the playing on it is proficient. Like the, like the do 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 do. Do, 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 do. Like it's it's really a, a cool like little um, like piece to be played on a harpsichord. I mean, I would love to learn how to play that on a harpsichord, you know. But it's that's but you, all I really take out of it. Man. I can think of hundreds um, of things that are better to do with your time than learn piggies on the harpsichord. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, could that could be a real like something you could pull out at a at a party though? That could just be like, oh yeah, do you want to um. Uh, Wouldn't it be yeah. funny if I did start playing? I started playing piggies at like some party, and then they're like, "Get out! Just get out!" And I'm like, "What, man? Piggies!" <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I'll add it to the list of like, if anyone says, "Do you know any Beatles?" and you're like, "Oh yeah, like I could play you piggies," and like you can just watch that face, like kind of look, kind of mildly, like, "Is is what is what is he doing?" Okay, <laughs> I got a question. <laughs> piggies or wild honey pie? Um, I'm going to take piggies over wild honey pie. You I honestly what? think I wild think... honey pie is really bad. That's what it's worse. I, I'm going to say it too. I'm going to say piggies too, because at least there's like different sections of the song. I can, uh, at least like seek solace into rather than just be in that dark hole with wild honey pie. Yeah. You know, it just, 
it's not a good hole to be in. Like Peggy's, I mean, it's just bad. It's really bad music, but it's not like offensive to your ears. Whereas like Honey Pie is like really grating. It's like, it's, I feel like maybe, um, I don't know, a terrorist group could torture information out of people quite successfully with, um, with Honey Pie and quite quickly, I think. Whereas Peggy's, I think, will take a little bit longer. I don't know, man. I don't know. Wouldn't it be funny if I came out? Like, you know, they're, they're, like I was uh, holed up in some place and they're, they're trying to get me out of there and they, for, they forced me to listen to... Uh, honey pie i'm like you know it's not that bad of a song <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that bad man yeah um but uh back to the the track um uh piggies yeah uh it's not as bad as honey pie wild wild honey pie not to be confused Sorry, with honey yeah pie. not to be because i love honey pie but uh you know uh, piggies yeah not a big fan it's a harrison track and um you know, not Harris's best moment. Um, yeah. And and honestly, I think this is where we start getting into like, I think both of us now and where we're at in the album, we have some solid pieces where we, we some, some of the junk is being exposed, right? Yeah. There's some junk in there. We're sifting through it at least. Uh, the next one is Rocky Raccoon, which, um, I mean, it's it's kind of still junk. I kind of like this one more. How dare one. you? You love Rocky Raccoon? You you better believe I love <laughs> you you better believe I love Rocky Raccoon. <laughs> I, I, I adore this track so much. It was one of my favorite songs to play in, in on guitar. It's such an easy song to play. Uh, you know, um he wrote that song with, with John. Like they were just playing it around with that with uh Paul was playing the chord progression and um, they just came up with the, the lyrics. Um, they were like all uh, like just throwaway lyrics, but then it, it ended up turning into like a, uh, what he said was, I don't know nothing about, you know, Indians and Cowboys, but you know, like that song I just wrote about, you know, this old, you know, uh, country, ta- like country Western kind of thing where he was doing like a uh, old school, like, you know, um, cowboys uh and going into the saloon and talking you know rocky bust in grinning a grin with the whole shootout and the doctor and sticking of gin and um uh. so oh the texas accent and he also he also throws in that accent at the beginning i know you don't like it i i i, okay. I can already feel yeah. i can feel your i can feel your disgust <laughs> i can feel like i've <laughs> stepped on like a childhood classic for you where you picture yourself as rocky the raccoon and I don't know. I don't know. I just, I mean, it It sounds like he doesn't, I mean, I feel like you're right. It sounds like he doesn't know a lot about that sort of music. It's a slightly Bob Dylan-esque. There's a harmonica in it. I'm not a big Bob Dylan fan either. Um, I mean, it, I, I, love... I would I would say it's, I'm not putting it, I'm not saying it's Peggy's. I'm not saying it's, it's definitely no Wild Honey Pie, but it's just like one of those kind of tracks that I'm not that excited to land on. Yeah, um, I understand. I get it. Look, but yeah it's very tweet no it's i love you know i love the uh where it breaks down and he's i love that part so much it's such a fun like i want to like dance to that part you know with the piano coming in like the uh the old school piano the honky tonky stuff the honky yeah the honky tonk piano coming in man it sounds like um 
you know those those bars where like those piano bars they have is that something that you're familiar with or yeah yeah in, for like, sure the saloon you know they, you swing the swing the saloon doors and somebody's playing or do you mean like modern piano bars where someone yeah 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 like that like, oh yeah well they do they also like yeah the piano bars um that's what it reminds me of is like uh that and uh it very like uh whimsical again and um real you know paul just writing songs that they're just fun they're just fun the thing is that's what i'm getting really is that like paul can do no wrong in your eyes whereas like a hey, paul quite often oh. like uh, he, he sometimes he oversteps his mark and i, I i'm not a fan you want to you want to see where paul can go wrong well let's go we'll, we'll start listening to some wings and i'll we'll, yeah. i'll tell okay. you more how yeah, I mean, discouraged i get yeah i mean yeah i don't think you'll have a but um band on the run though yeah, yeah. I don't know. See, there you go, man. There's, there, there's uh, where I get discouraged with with Paul's discography with Wings, but you know, there's still some, there's still some gems in there. Yeah. Um, but it was called Rocky Sassoon. That's a little fact. It was, uh, it wasn't called Rocky Raccoon when they first wrote it. It was Rocky Sassoon, and then they just found that Raccoon just, you know, that's just his name, and that oh. sounded better, I guess. You know what? If it was called Rocky Sassoon, I think I would have liked it a little bit more. I think, oh, like, no. I honest, I'm not joking. I just like, I think of like Rocky and Bullwinkle or something. I just, I know it just, it comes across as so goofy. I feel like I want them to think it's almost like the silly songs. I'm like, come on, guys, just like, can we stop messing around now? Give me the good stuff. And I feel like almost the association with like what I imagine is this kind of like raccoon cowboy. I don't know. I just, I, it doesn't, it's not doing it. Man, this is this. See, you when when I see you on stream and I see how serious you look, that that is you. Yeah, like, it that is. is. That <laughs> is serious. Bit. I'm going it's, to war. Yeah, man. You know, I'm not looking when I listen to the Beatles. Like I'm, I'm uh, looking to have a good time. Yeah. I'm looking, you know, I I, t- I listen to stuff these days that just makes me happy. Um, I I find it hard to listen to like stuff that like what I used to listen to when I was a kid that is very serious. Like uh, I used to listen to like a lot of tool and like, uh, you know, uh, Deftones and a lot of like heavier stuff, uh, Metallica, obviously. And uh, I can't get into it as much these days anymore. Like I'm just not that angry anymore. So like I, I tend to go to like a lot of like uh, Rocky 70s Raccoon. and yeah. Rocky Raccoon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a silly side, I think, but for me, it's like, there's a kind of almost like um I don't know, like childish, like silly side that for some re- that I can't quite tap into. Like, um, I don't know what it is, but like, I mean, I like, I like how I love happy music. I mean, I like how, um, I mean, through the duration of this talk, I'm kind of this evil, obladi, oblada, hating, like pessimistic <laughs> monster, uh, like who sits in his miserly castle and hopes that they'll make more like prog, proggy, proggy, rocky songs with heavy themes. Like, I'm, I'm not that guy, but, um, yeah, I just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the way they did it. Maybe there's a Rocky Raccoon doo-wop cover that could redeem the song for me. Or Prince. Prince oh, Prince. Uh, oh, Prince. Yeah. Why didn't Prince rec- uh, cover Rocky Raccoon, you know? I think we know. I think you should. I'm serious. <laughs> it would have been cool, right? A, a Prince cover uh, cover album of the Beatles, right? That would have been cool, man. That would have been cool. Um, moving on, uh, we have Don't Pass Me By. Um, not my favorite. It's a Ringo Penn song. What, what I found crazy about this, um, I don't like the organ in the beginning, the dun, 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 like that. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's a very you know what it sounds like to me it sounds like a very howdy doody kind of song it sounds like um like a very like 1950s like howdy doody vibe where uh like it's a, it's a theme song to some show from the 50s or something and um a lot of that early grand old opry kind of stuff too that's what it sounds like yeah um but little fact here is that's that Ringo wrote that song like he 100% wrote that like that's him like wrote it on the piano and he had he had that song in his pockets in 62 and they didn't record it until you know 60 68 so um yeah man like you mean he had six years to work on it and he still didn't improve it Like that's a bit more. It's a bit more unforgivable. I mean, I don't worry. I don't actually hate this song. I I think it's it's okay. It's one of the like kind of like it, it's like a a song that you get as an album filler. But like, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not mad at it. Do you think? Do you think Ringo was like, hey guys, you can you think now I can put my don't have to <laughs> yeah. They're like they're like, hey, next time, next time, Ringo. Okay, next time. Not yeah. not this. Yeah. Listen, we just. We we're trying something new here, Ringo. But like, I promise you, the next next album, it's on it. Okay, and he's like, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they finally were like, oh, I mean, like, and he was like, come on, guys, like, Piggies is on this album. Wild Honey <laughs> Pie made the cut. What about Don't Pass Me By? And they were like, you know what, what Ringo? All right then. Wouldn't that be some shit if, like, he he asks him and McCartney's like, you know, like maybe, maybe, and then he starts hearing some of the tracks and he's like, oh, come on. It's like, come on, guys, it's it's better than that, you know. I I don't mind Ringo songs. Um, I just don't like this song. Um, but it's like I said, it does it does remind me of like that, like, uh, like old old like grand old opry old it reminds me of old country that's yeah. what it reminds me of like old country um the dun 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 the dun dun the dun dun like um don't pass me by don't pass me by yeah um, like he's like a man the, walking down a road i guarantee you could probably find a good cover of it somewhere like some like country band uh or some like uh maybe a ragtime band i don't know like like uh, some bands cover it, and it's got to sound better. I think it's the production, to be honest. I think that the production is where I find the flaws in it because I just don't like that organ in the background. It's too big. It's yeah. too. It's too George. Maybe George Martin was just like, "Look, man, I've thrown everything at this damn song, and I just, I, I, we can't get. I mean, this is yeah. it, Ringo. Like, yeah. That's what it's." And he's like, and he's like, George. Is there anything else you could put on? He's like, Ringo, look, I put everything on there, man. Like, yeah. this is what it is. I like, even turned up song. the organ so you can barely hear you, and it's still not good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe do you think that the song was called Don't Pass Me By because he keeps submitting it as his, like, as his song that he wants to put out there. And then, like, so they, they're flicking through, like, their list of, like, potential songs for the album. And it goes, oh, Don't Pass Me By. Which one's this one? And they go, oh, Ringo Starr. Oh, oh it's that Ringo song, isn't it? Yeah. That Ringo, um, yeah, this one gets a this one gets a solid uh, uh, C plus for me. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Like, um, I, I I I mean, controversially, I guess for you, I prefer I, I I'm I'm taking it over Rocky Raccoon. That's so. That's you know what, man. That's your opinion. Yeah, that's like your opinion. I want to give that's Ringo like some opinion. love, you know. <laughs> That song does make me feel a bit happy, but it, and it's not—I don't know—it's not. 
you know it's not that good but but it is followed by why don't we do it in the road which um, for me it kind of is a silly song but it's great i love this song this is a classic yeah it, uh, it has one of the really, silliest really. stories to it um i mean uh, uh i mean they, this is one of their india stories and paul mccartney saw two um two monkeys um like uh copulating in the street and yep. um he was like, that's a good idea for a song. But I love the vocals on this. They're so raw. I, I love the delivery. I love the, uh, it's like a, it's a blue song. Um, and they were definitely like getting into like some, some blues here, right? Like uh, this album kind of like, they were kind of going all over the place. But like some of the themes were, were some kind of some 12 bar blues stuff and some of their stuff and um that's kind of how birthday was written but yeah this song i is really cool i i love it man yeah it is it is also kind of short and snappy there's not much to it but there doesn't need to be i don't know it's kind of a it's a punchy one why don't we do it in the road i love that actually i always love their kind of like chugging riff lines whenever they do that they love to do that I like. I don't know. I like the way that um, sometimes they rhythmically drive, especially their their kind of bluesy music. Um, I don't know. It's, just, it's such a vibe. I don't. So here's the deal. I don't know if I don't think Billy Preston was playing with the band at this point. I think he was just on the Let It Be sessions. But um, I think that would have been cool. If I don't know if he's on there. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think he's on. Let me double check. Give me one second. Um, but you know Billy Preston, right? In in his presence in the band and on the Let It Be recordings. Yeah. Are you the familiar? Keys. Yeah, he was the keys, right? Um, so I'm trying to figure out if I can see if he was on there. He's the only non-Beatle musician to actually ever be given a, a credit on a Beatles uh, recording. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. As a claim to fame. So I'm looking it up, but we can move on from that. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much oh, to say. Did. Oh, he did. He he did. Uh, Billy Preston played. Um... No, 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 he didn't. He didn't on the White Album. Oh, okay. he was on. He was on. He was on Abbey Road. And, yeah, uh, and then on the Let It Be sessions as well, but not on the White Album. Uh, so I think what I was going to say was I think that Billy Preston would be cool on uh, Why Don't We Do It on the Road. That would have been some cool uh, keys he could have offered to that song. Yeah, it could have been developed, to be honest. They could have tried harder with it, but I feel like they kind of went, ah, it's that, that's the hook, and um, there we go. Take it or leave it. Uh, or, or yeah, there, or like maybe some guitar solos on there. Some, um, It's just kind of the song, right? It's just, uh, that's what it is. Uh, I think there's something missing, like some, some bigger thing in there, but uh, otherwise it's cool song yeah it could have been developed i think if yeah it feels almost unfinished perhaps maybe but um yeah maybe they chose to you know invest their time elsewhere like on to are we yeah go ahead um no i was just saying maybe yeah maybe they chose to invest like the the kind of like the extra work somewhere else so i feel like we finished the first album right no we've got we're almost there uh we have i will which is um, okay. an ultimate track, which I don't know. This one's quite forgettable for me. I think it's well-constructed. Uh, I like the outro. It's a bit sappy. 
I love it. Uh, before I before I go into, I'm seeing a theme here. Every time I'm like, this one's sappy, and you're like, I love this one. This one speaks to me emotionally, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is a very like uh, me versus you in this whole thing, and I I think that if you if if the guitar barian hates it, I love it. Yeah. but do we want to end this on the first half and then like reconvene or do we want to just, we didn't talk about that. If we were yeah. I don't know. I was gonna, I mean, we could do a, um, we could do a break an intermission. Um, I mean, how far, I mean, there's only one more track, um, which I do actually okay. really like, and that's Julia, uh, which is the outro to disc one. I think the harmonies here are really good. I think the guitar works wait, really wait, good. Wait, wait, wait. Don't 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 skip over. I will. We're oh oh yes. I oh, I don't want to go back to I will. <laughs> so um, this song, Paul says he goes. Um, it's this is wild because I didn't know this, but like he said that you get from the record companies, you get um, you know pressure. Like mm-hmm. you, you, they want they want that that hit. They want something right. And uh, clearly, like, at this point, a lot of the White Album doesn't have, like, those typical Beatles singles, right? Like, you're, where, where is the, um, you know, the big tracks, you know, that I want to hold your hands. I would, like, obviously, they're coming from Sgt. Pepper, so they're, you know, where, where's the hits from the White Album? And uh, he said that he was kind of, like, forced, uh, not forced, but kind of push to write something like that and so he wrote that and that was written in india as well and uh he doesn't really say much more about it other than like that he was kind of like it was one of like it's one of those things that the record company kind of wants you to make these songs and you're like really was that what it is like you know because it very much is a very sappy like you know who knows how long i loved you i mean that's a very like early beatles kind of song in my opinion um it's almost, you know what it's almost like is I'll follow the sun. Yeah. That's what it okay. sounds like to me. I'll follow the sun one day. Da, da, for yeah. tomorrow will come. Um, it sounds like uh, I'll follow the sun, but I love, I will. Um, yes, it's a McCartney song. Yes, I love it. Yes, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, McCartney all the way. Yeah. I mean, you can sing that one to your, to your Paul McCartney shrine and, and do the hip shake, but um, I guess this I one's will. a solemn, a solemn hip shake in this one. But yeah, that's the thing. I feel like when the Ken McCartney do set, I like even McCartney's sad songs sound a bit happy. I don't know. You just can't rain on that man's day. That's not true. I mean, you listen to stuff like uh, Golden Slumbers. I mean, that's a heartfelt song. I mean, yeah. that song you can you can cry to that song. You you hate Golden Slumbers too. Yeah, I like it. Golden Slumbers is, I mean, we're, uh, yeah, Golden Slumbers is pretty good, I guess. Um, I, I know All it's right. sweet. It comes across, it comes across as more sweet for me, I think, Golden Slumbers. I don't know. There's always a sweetness uh, to, to Paul in that I almost feel like he's never, he's never distraught. Like, I don't know. I feel like that man's soul is always in this kind of like golden, golden glow. And like, even when he's sad, he kind of, ha- he always seems to like, he always makes it, um, he always adds this kind of sweetness to it or like uh, he's always, I don't know, maybe he's just a very well-adjusted human. And uh, I don't like that I about so. him. I don't know. 
I want my artist to be just in disarray <laughs> yeah. and have issues, man. You know, they need to be fighting the system and uh, they need to be they need to be vocal. And that's that's the Paul was not. Hey, hey, McCartney did get uh, busted for uh, smuggling uh, hashish and the the airport so he's got some uh he's got some controversy under his belt man yeah but i mean probably only to s- spread more sweetness and joy in the world that's probably why he did oh. it you know <laughs> i don't know uh, i do i mean i, I golden slumbers actually i do really like that i think it's a much better song than i will um but yeah i don't know it this what it wasn't really for me yeah i i love i love the harmonies and i will um I think it's a uh, well constructed, like work. yeah. And I actually yeah, do really well like the outro. The outro is my favorite bit. I think. Da, 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 da. Like um, towards the end, uh, I love the harmonies. Uh, I love I love his acoustic guitar work. He's such a phenomenal like um, melody player. Like he's such a so good um, with constructing chord progressions. Uh, I love his chord progressions. Really simple stuff, mm. um, but. Uh, easy easy songs uh to play on on you know e- i think his stuff is easier to play than you know um lennon's stuff like i feel like and, and lennon was a, a less accomplished guitarist than mccartney I, in my opinion i think mccartney yeah, was a better definitely. guitarist than, than lennon um but the, let's go let's end it let's end it with the last track on the first album the last track is um julia um which i really like this um I, I really, this is one of the ones I really like, and uh, I feel like the it's a perfect kind of outro to the first disc to kind of round things off. It's got these um, got really beautiful harmonies, nice guitar work, like a very uh, it's such a heavy melodic influence um, in this album. And I feel like this this song, I feel like I don't know, it's a little bit of a piece of art for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I think it's it's beautiful. Um, I love right from the go. Like half of what I say is meaningless. Like that that line kills me mm. immediately. Right. Um, he so he's clearly like doing some finger picking. Um, and this was so, it was written in I believe India as well. But Donovan of all people, Donovan was the one that taught Lenin how to finger pick. Oh, so okay. So he was finger picking everything right um <laughs> this song is actually uh <laughs> this song is actually one of the songs that like i always um find hard to play um just i think rhythmically like when i try to play you know rhythmically and, and get and uh, sing it at the same time and i'm trying to get into it um but it's a beautiful song clearly um written um about his mother um right is it oh i didn't i didn't i don't know the um the history behind yeah. this song. yeah it's a, a more inserted but it's better and uh but it's a heartfelt song so i sing the song of love julia mm. uh yeah he died very young gorgeous gorgeous song um still not my favorite but uh this is like an a plus this is like a top tier song yeah so it's better than i will then 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, the yeah. Lennon one is a little bit better. It's not as yeah. cheesy. It's a little bit out there. I mean, it's a little bit. It's almost, um, I love that it has almost a psychedelic kind of folky feel. I feel like um, that sound gets picked up in the kind of um, late 60s, um, early 70s. I mean, actually, I guess that was around um, uh, in kind of bands, like kind of almost kind of Fleetwood Mac almost, you could kind of see. But like, I don't know. I love that. I love um I love that kind of late sixties folk, and I feel like this is a perfect late sixties folk song. I think it would fit in in at loads of um sixties folk musicians' uh, repertoires, and you wouldn't you wouldn't bat an eyelid at it. Mm, okay, so it's easily translatable to like that era, to that to that scene, the uh, that sixties uh, folk scene. Okay, um, I I think it's it's so cool. I think the imagery in that song is so cool that his lyrics and her hair of the uh, floating right? sky is shimmering, glimmering in the sun. Morning moon. Yeah, I me. think so. That's the thing, right? We talked about like Lennon's like nonsensical like lyrics, like how you know the when he's talking to that guy, he's like it's just a mm. song, man. But you have a song like Julia, um, and those lyrics are just ridiculously beautiful. I mean. Um, ocean child calls me, so I sing the song of love. Uh, Julia, seashell eyes, windy smile calls me. Um, and like, yeah, you said you, her hair, floating sky, shimmering, glimmering in the sun. Um, those lyrics kind of re recall another Lennon song to me, uh, Across the Universe. I think Across the Universe has some of the best lyrics, right? Mm. Um, and I think that those, I think that Julia and Across the Universe could be like almost an A side and a B side. Um, I think that, you know, those songs kind of go hand in hand. That's, I don't know if you do that, Iberian, but like, I, I'll do like, like try to like go, oh, that's like a B side of this, or that's a similar, like they kind of have that same vibe. Yeah. And I think uh, Across the Universe and, and Julia are very, they're, they're almost cousins in a way. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, they're both quite, I mean, obviously, I guess that they both have this kind of spacey element, almost like, um, I don't know. It's that kind of slightly out there that I feel like only only Lennon achieves. He has this. It's almost like he's slightly disconnected from from this world, and therefore he kind of his inspiration is drawn from this kind of kind of weird ethereal scape, which sometimes is completely nonsensical, and sometimes it like forms a kind of like something that you can actually relate to others. And I feel like this is a right, yeah, an example where it worked. I think, I mean, yeah, I guess that's his problem is that sometimes it doesn't work and he just kind of drifts off too far and you're like, okay, you have to reel him in. Somewhere. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's what's surprising about Lennon is like, and, and yes, I'll say I don't go to, like, I, I don't go to lyrics uh, first, you know, I, I really um, relate to music musically first, right? Like um, just being a musician, like I, I relate to like the, the music that, you know, uh, the chord changes and, and that's what that's where I'm like okay that's cool that's a cool chord change right there and I like that right there but mm -hmm. like lyrics like I always say this like dude you could tell me like I could love a certain song and you're like hey you know that song's about like you know um, cheese and I could be like no I didn't <laughs> I honestly I just like the song I love like the chord changes and I love the you know the, the feel of it and I, I just tend to like not focus on lyrics so much but I will say that Lennon's uh, lyrics take me in a different, like they take me on a ride, man. They take me on a really like 
this like like you said like the celestial ride in this mm. ether like you go out and uh you go, you really trip on like just his words and maybe that's why that that hippie came to like Lennon's mansion, man. He's like, listen, man, like these these lyrics mean something, but I can't say that I do that for McCartney's lyrics. McCartney's lyrics are very, you know, you know, like I said, Rocky Raccoon, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna get uh, words are floating like endless space or what does he say? You know, you're not gonna get like the. It's not thought provoking. Yeah. It's not a a visual image. It's not visual imagery. If if anything, it's, I guess that's why the, the, the juxtaposition works so well because, because Lennon kind of like sends you out into space and then like Paul reassures you that, you know, that he'll take care of you. You know, he makes it, he makes it a sweet, he makes it a sweet journey into space. Whereas like, if it's just Lennon, you're, you kind of, you feel a bit cold and you're a bit lost there because I mean, like, I mean, I'm, this is a wild comparison now, but um, like Lennon is a father. He's just, he's, he's abandoning. He'll abandon you in space. Whereas Paul McCartney will make sure you're all right. You're Jude. <laughs> That's the, you as a listener are Jude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I get it. I'll watch the movie. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I get you. Like, um, Paul is the, uh, the, the, he's like the train conductor, man. He's the, um, he's the, he's the guide. And, uh, you know, Lennon's the, um, what is Lennon, man? He's the vehicle that get, gets you, that gets you up there. Yeah. McCartney's, then... McCartney's, so you're saying like McCartney kind of, McCartney kind of grounds you as the listener. Yeah. I think he rescues you from, maybe from the jaws of, uh, Lennon's insanity. <laughs> Like when Lennon gets a bit like, so Lennon like entices you in and like shows you all this cool stuff. But then like after a moment, like he starts to turn on you and then you get a bit worried and then you reach out, but then it's Paul McCartney's hand that takes your hand and then he reassures you it's going to be all right. And then he kind of like shows you how to jiggle your hips and then you, you spring (laughs) off into the wilderness. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know analogy. I don't know where that's going, but you spring off into the Norwegian wood. There you go, man. What What's your favorite track off of uh, this first disc? My favorite, um, um, I think it's gonna be one. Well, um, happiness is a warm gun, but I don't. I mean, I feel like because I feel like my my favorite track has to change over time, and I, there's no reason for that. But I feel like that has been my favorite, so I'd like to pick a new one. But I think I think it is. I just think it is the best. But um, I put blackbird probably second and it's so close between the two okay i like it i like it happiness is a warm gun blackbird both phenomenal tracks uh my favorite song is uh probably um martha my dear and i'm gonna pick a new one i'm gonna finally say like you kind of you're selling me on on lennon again man and uh i'm gonna say julia like i forgot how beautiful that song is it's a really yeah i mean now that i've i kind of feel like i should have sold myself on it um but i I don't know it's in it's rattling around now for me that might have um in the future that might that might manage to um yeah upset some of the previous contenders um i feel like selling the idea of selling people on lenin sounds like something kind of dangerous or nefarious like did he sell you on (laughs) lenin oh please tell me he didn't sell you on lenin and you're like oh 
it's like, hey, man, I was just talking to Guitar Barian, and uh, we were talking about the Beatles. Oh, he's, you talking about Lennon? You yeah. talk your ear off about Lennon? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so we, so we close it up, man, and then like just do a part two. Yeah, part two sounds like a good idea. I mean, we've still got that's seventeen tracks right there. What I mean, that alone is an album, is an incredible album with um yeah, yeah. some some things we we won't that don't bear repeating, but like that is an incredible album already, and that's just that's just one disc. Can you imagine being a Super Beatles fan in the era? And I mean, I applaud anyone who's lucky enough to to be around that you got that experience that there was a whole second disc of music yeah we still have we still have the whole second disc of uh some really cool stuff man i mean uh we still have to hit um some really cool pieces uh i'm drawing a blank man (laughs) what's on the second disc uh we still have to do birthday health and skelter sexy sadie Oh, I have, I want to, I, God, I want to talk about Sexy Sadie. That's the, the controversy yeah. on Sexy Sadie. And you know about that, right? Like, yeah, with the Maharishi, uh, that's a cool story. Uh, but yeah, there's some, some good stuff on there, man. Um, the, uh, what's, it's a long, long time, right? Is that what, that's what, that's what uh, called. Yeah, long, uh, there's long, 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 long. There you go. Long, it's long, just long, 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 long. Yeah. That song is a, that song is a, ridiculous man that i love one of my favorites that's up there for me as well yeah but ironically it's a bit short you know it's only three minutes maybe they could have pushed that one uh maybe it could have been longer um but yeah thanks everyone for coming i believe we're gonna do a part two at some stage um so yeah you can follow the group oh sorry i've i lost you so i started wrapping up yeah i i'm sorry sorry i'm back I, was it because i made a bad it. joke i was like i was like oh long 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 it's no, only three minutes long was... and then like you left the talk and i was like wow that is that is a way to let me know right there that that was not funny <laughs> no i was uh no i was tripping in the, in the ether with uh lyrics uh lennon's lyrics man. Okay. I, was, I was like whoa mm-hmm. no i'm, I'm sorry yeah, you need Paul I'm to uh, take you by the hand and um, bring you back to the lights. Yeah. Well, let's do part two. What do you want to do it tomorrow or what? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, tomorrow sounds good. Keep them back to back. Okay, sounds good. All right, sweet. Well, thank you everyone for coming. And um, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I think you've changed my mind a little bit on on some of the songs. I honestly, I, so. I didn't expect you to love Rocky Raccoon as much as you did. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've learned. I've learned a lot about. Um, I liked. I really learned a lot about a lot of the backstory. And it's clear there's like there's certain things we seem to. There's like a clear, obvious agreement on, like um, dear Prudence, Glass Onion, um, yeah, Julia. Yeah, absolutely. Blackburn. Yeah, and, and you got me. You got me thinking. So you got my noggin going with uh, some of those wedding tracks. Uh, so I'll, I'll dive into it. But if you can go away with anything, I would listen to uh, Julia uh, and then read those lyrics. Beautiful song. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I strongly recommend. Um, yeah, I've, I'm going to push Lennon again one more time. Um, but um, yeah, everyone. So definitely, if you're if you feel like if you feel like there are tracks on that album that you've overlooked, you probably have, and you will be surprised. Like I, I was surprised, and I've I've listened to that album 
I mean, a, a number of times throughout my life, but, you know, with various like uh, gaps between them. But I'm always surprised um, when I listen through. Um, there are a lot of like, I'd say uncut gems perhaps in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, can we play this out with some of that soundboard? Can I get some of that soundboard? It is come. It's already on yeah. the way. It's cooking. Um, <laughs> thanks so much, everyone, for coming. If you would like to, um, if you follow the group, you'll be notified when the next one's on. It's just under the title. If you click r slash um, the horde, then you can follow it. And um, you can follow old Junksy, and um, you can follow myself, or I don't know, or you could not. I don't, I don't mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna John Lennon you, but come back for the second half. And is it as good as the first disc? I don't know. I mean, it's I think it is. One. It's a close. Is it? Is it better? I don't know. It's gonna be tough, but it's gonna be so exciting. Can you imagine how exciting that's gonna be? I don't know. We're gonna reach the top of the house. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful life. 